This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers, and publishers to build, grow, and monetize their games. They do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as a wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward slash DOF for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite powered by a reliable deep linking engine lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslier.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. I think what's what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky. You, your game is an instant hit. It's resonating with users. But for when that's not the case, uh, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zeloff, VP of Marketing at IronSource. All right, um, we're kicking it off. My guest today, Joe Nichols, president and co-founder of Timber Games Vancouver, previously VP of Maxis at Electronic Arts. I just like to say the full name. Studio director at Capcom, executive producer of Microsoft. Joe, how long have you been in games industry? Um, 23 years. Damn. I know. You're a, you're a vet. I know. A senior. I know. And, and I know I know that this podcast is going to be very good, not because of the topic and not because I know you from before, but you because because you've been in radio for ten years. Uh, yeah, it was my first gig before I got into video. Man, <laughs> I was a, I was on the air and a lot of self policing when that microphone lights on. Well, wait a minute. How come Timber Games doesn't have a podcast? Why well, you should say that? Um, we are <laughs> you're going to have a podcast. Uh, we're gonna have a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, you know we're still ramping everything up. But we have a plan. Um, we have a whole bunch of stuff we're gonna launch, including probably the world's first clog, and we could talk about that later. Clog. Yeah. 
What what's that? Well, you know what a blog is. Uh huh. There's a vlog. Well, as uh -huh. you know, we do cartoons constantly. So oh. we think we're very clever. We've come up with clog, comic blog, <laughs> uh, and that's how we get our message out. <laughs> Isn't that what news like newspapers used to do? That totally. I don't know. Like I haven't read an actual newspaper in a long time, but they had clogs, right? right totally. <laughs> Going old. <laughs> so it's so it's not new. It's like you're bringing clocks back. Yeah, right? yeah, we're we're bringing the sexy back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to talk to you about employer branding because you've been doing a phenomenal job at Timber Thanks. Games, and I've been really the admirer of the brand building strategy you've had since kicking off Timber Games Vancouver. You know the comic strips that we talked about. They kind of ooze the fun that you guys are having. Your website is very different, stands out a lot. Everything that you do, the communication that you have, the website, the video on the website seems very joyful. Um, and it really sits with the how you've set, which is building a studio where culture drives creative, a studio that brings values into experiences mm -hmm. you make. So, Joe, I want to start off with like, why did you start Timber Games? Like, where did the uh, come from? And can you talk a little bit about Timber Games and Sumo and and uh, Pipework? Like, how does that yeah. all work together? Um, so, um, as you as you know, I was at I was at Maxis and uh, did about four years there and loved it there. But um, mm -hmm. it got to the point where I was thinking I didn't want to be in a different country than my, my, my than my daughters. Um, one was uh, finishing university in London over in the UK, and another one was going to film school in LA. And I thought, you know, um, they ended up going back to Canada. And when there's a pandemic on, like you, you kind of want to be in the same country as your kids anyway, like, you know, on any yeah. given day. Um, but when there's a pandemic on, depends on the kids. Yeah, true enough. <laughs> yeah. But when there's a pandemic going on, <clears throat> we thought, well, even if we had to get back to Canada um, from, you know, from, from uh, the Bay Area, which is an easy flight. We'd be in quarantine for a couple of weeks and it would just been weird and couldn't really help kids out. So I ended up saying, hey, I'm going to do this out of Vancouver for a while. Um, long story short, for um, ex uh, exciting reasons like corporate taxation, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and the position I was in, I couldn't be in a different country and run the thing from Canada when it's an American thing. But vice versa, it's much easier. Um, and so... Uh, I, I said, I'm going to stay in Canada. I, I belong here. It's where I belong. I need to stay here. And they said, well, you know, we really got to figure this out because, you know, the, the way this, this is working with Max is going to find a different solution. I said, well, I think maybe I'll just go um, and, and see what I can do up here. And we looked at some opportunities in Canada, but, uh, but I was really thinking uh, I was, it was ready to, to do something else. Um, and uh, so how did this all start? Uh, I started a while back. I went to GDC. Uh, met a guy named Lindsay, and Lindsay was the guy running Pipeworks, and we just hit it off. Uh, interesting guy. Um, uh, we're kind of like, you know, joke around, we're kind of like Penn and Teller. Um, you know, he's the, he's the <laughs> noisy guy. Um, we decided at some point we were probably going to find a way to work together. And uh, it started off that his studio, Pipeworks, was looking to do some expansion. They wanted to do something uh, in Vancouver because he had some experience there. So we started to work on that. Um, what would that look like? And then he called me and said, "Hey, um, uh, you know, Spanner in the rant, Spanner in the works. Um, we're being acquired by Sumo." I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay. So what does that mean?" He said, "Well, um, let's uh, uh, let's keep talking and see how it goes." I said, "Okay." And then we kept talking, and then Sumo was all for it. Said, "Hey, yeah, we really want to do this." Um, and so it kept moving forward, and then we pulled the trigger, and, uh, and so to start, uh, we said, "Let's start at the studio." And 
it was it was really cool because um, Pipeworks is a has been around for about twenty years and people just didn't know about them, right? They've been around for a long time. Yeah. They've been survivors, and uh, and they got acquired by Sumo because obviously they do something good enough for a big company to want to buy them. So Sumo came in, but Sumo has been like such a such a a breath of fresh air with how that whole studio operates. Like they're really cool, really care about the people, and um, have great values and great systems. And uh, and there's you know I think we're the fourteenth studio now that they or that they own. Mm-hmm. So we set it up. <clears throat> And, uh, and so we started coming up with, what are we going to call, what are we going to call the studio? How's this going to get here? So Timber was not the original name of the studio. No. Um, we initially started out and we, we wanted to have something super West coast cause that's where we are. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, let, let's come up with something that really sounds like, uh, where we've set up shop. And so we're, you know, we're thinking, oh, it's going to be like trees or, you know, West coast, we didn't want mm-hmm. some smoke salmon entertainment here or anything like that. Cause we wanted to make smoked salmon entertainment. Yeah, no, no, that was, that was, that was, on the, that was, you know, that was further down on the list. But we thought, well, what's a cool, like, what's a cool tree? And we thought, well, Sitka, Sitka is an interesting name for it. It's a, there's a mm-hmm. Sitka spruce. Um, and it grows almost exclusively, well, uh, exclusively down the west coast of Canada, and goes down to around Oregon, and then stops. And I'm like, whoa, that's super deep. And, <laughs> but then we did some research and went, you know what? Um, Sitka is actually an indigenous name, um, and there's a there's a Sitka tribe in Alaska. Um, and we thought, man, there is no way we are going to, you know, you know, how dare we name a game studio? Um, <laughs> On something that uh, that does not belong to us, and so we we, we stopped. But um, we, very very Canadian way of thinking, very well, Canadian. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, man, recent events have sure made uh, everyone in Canada take pause and have a think about how they've been behaving over the past few decades. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so we we teamed up with a um, uh, a guy that uh, used to work with Jeff and I years ago at EA, Rich Curran. And he said, well, let's really kind of figure out how we're going to brand your studio. Let's figure out what the names work. And so we had all these different names on a whiteboard, just like everybody comes and, uh, and, and participates in. And Timber is actually kind of a play on words. If you look at how it's spelled, um, you know, it's R-E, not E-R. And it, uh, mm-hmm. if, if, you're, if you're really pronouncing it correctly, it's actually Tamra. Um, and Tamra mm-hmm. is actually the correct way to pronounce um, the sound or the tone of something. So when you say, oh, I'm listening to that, what's the pitch? What's the timber? People would often say timber around the West Coast, mm-hmm. but it's actually, you know, timber. But we went, well, people call it timber. Timber feels like wood. We're on the West Coast. There's tons of wood here. And we felt that um, the the timber of something, the sound and, and bringing things together really kind of started to feel good. And then we had our logo and our logo was really meant to be all these different colors coming together. And, um, and People said it looks everything. It looks kind of like a campfire, and feel like you get around and gather around the campfire. And then we started all the stuff started flowing. And we went, "It's timber. We're going to call ourselves timber." And we we asked uh, all the people that we were involved with, and they loved it. And yeah. here we are. That's why we became Timber Games. Interesting. So everything, as always, starts from GDC. We've mm. had our lunches at GDC as well. It's a it's a place to meet and connect. Um, it's also interesting that that you started off thinking. When, when you're naming your studio, very location-based. Yeah. I had the same thing. I, I'm almost like ashamed <laughs> to say what I wanted to call my studio first. Luckily, there are investors who are like, dude, I don't think this is a, a very, very good name. I actually, was, I was very big into Vikings. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and I was, I was really, especially the show Vikings. I was like, damn, like Katagat sounds like a, such a dope place. Right. Maybe, maybe you should call the studio that way. Right. And that's, that town actually doesn't exist except in the yeah. show. And I was like, maybe you have like a dragon boat thing on the front. Like Ukraine has that type of thing in the flag where they kind of have a dragon boat on mm -hmm. it. That's a good idea. Luckily, the investors, shout out to uh, Play Ventures. We're very clear on like that's that's not the best right. name you can go with. Maybe maybe continue thinking. So 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 I I, I get it that that's starting to think around where you are and really locating and probably a good thing for you because you've been out of the Vancouver area and coming back and kind of falling in love again with with uh, Vancouver is like one of the most beautiful yeah. cities for folks who haven't been right. there. Uh, also a massive gaming scene. Huge. Here. So that. That's another one. Huge gaming. There's a bazillion, Very booming. Bazillion game studios. And, you know, yes. even when we were deciding what are we going to call the studio and what does it mean and why are we getting behind this name? What did the logo look like? We mm -hmm. did a huge board of all the logos um, of all the game studios mm -hmm. that we could find. And it's so funny because you get some of the logos, which is like, you know, like a skull of a knife with its head and its eye and all that. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And we thought, well, does, the, does our name and logo speak to what our values are and speak to the mm -hmm. kind of studio that we want to be and, and, and whatnot? Mm -hmm. and, um, um, but you're right, there's a ton of studios in Vancouver. And that actually um, was actually more of a help than hindrance because we looked at what all the studios in Vancouver are doing. It's like, yeah, okay, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, are we going to make, you know, should we make FIFA? Yeah, probably not. You know, um, <laughs> probably not. Should we make a, uh, you know, uh, should we get to switch? Are we making shooters? Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably not. There's great studio contest of champions that know how exactly. to do that. So, yes. Yeah. So, so, and then that's, a, that's another point that leads to this conversation is because you're coming out of Vancouver, like your studio is in Vancouver where there's a lot of game development talent, but also a lot of competition. Yep. So I think that's where employer branding really comes to play. Yep. Um, you know, and so, so is that the reason why you invested so much in, 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 you know, setting up the logo, setting up the name, really looking at the landscape and kind of finding your niche there? Well, yeah, we, we really had to think about what do we stand for and what do we want to be known for and, and how are we going to get people to walk away from amazing video game companies that already exist? And, mm -hmm. um, it was, it was an exercise that we went through because we wanted to be very clear and transparent about the journey of setting up a video game studio. Most video game studios, in my experience, have gone, bam, and there's a, there's a, there's a launch and um, there's a logo and there's a whole bunch of guys standing there like doing this, all leaning against each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the rock band. <laughs> you know the look, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we thought that there's a lot of people that want to know how do you make a video game studio? How, how does this start? How do you how do you even begin with something like this? So we thought it might be kind of fun to document this uh, and 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 put our vision and values in and and really walk the walk um, about what we say we're going to do and and really you know delivering on on that promise of what we're going to do. Um, mm -hmm. And man, it's been amazing. Like we we cannot keep up with the amount of people that have been calling us that want to work with us. Um, we don't have enough roles for all the people that have applied to us just yet, but we are growing really quickly. And that's amazing. You know, the first, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Like we like, we need an IT guy. Everybody needs an IT guy. Cause what's terrifying is I've been kind of like the part-time IT guy, um, which mm -hmm. is just not good on any level. And, 
Time well spent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's the most expensive IT. Yeah, guy totally right. <laughs> and, and the worst results. Um, the, uh, uh, there's a studio in Vancouver called Adam Hawk, and Adam Hawk is like a concept mm-hmm. art house that does uh, yes. great work, and they're part of Sumo. And I happen to know the, the people there really well. Chris Rowe, who runs that studio, worked with me at Capcom, and uh, and you know they are in the process of looking for uh, the IT specialist as well. And so we went, well, why don't we partner on this and we'll we'll share one. Um, and so uh, let's let's partner with a recruiting agency that we've hooked up with that that is doing a great job for us. Put the thing out. We need an IT guy. And the first day we got like a hundred resumes. <laughs> like oh my god, and you know. I look at a bunch of IT resumes and I'm like, yeah, this looks pretty cool. There's a lot of letters and pluses and minuses and asterisks on this. Yeah. Uh, But it's been amazing. Um, Really amazing. uh, The response that we've had and people are coming to us because they're looking for something different. They want to do, we don't make video games, um, but let's have a great time making video games and let's have a great experience together making games because you can work just about anywhere and make tons of dough uh, making video games but it always comes down to the people you work with and um, the product you make let's take a little break and talk about how to boost your live ops now we all know that you need great people and fantastic tools to get the most out of your live games and i'm sure you got the people part covered but how fantastic your true your tools truly are well listen if your game is made with unity you need to check out beamable Beamable is like an operating system for live games built in Unity. Beamable simplifies everything from updating your game to selling all those cool in-game items with special offers. And when it comes to live events and competitive features like leaderboards, Beamable got you covered. And Beamable is not only for your product folks, with visual prefabs for Unity and the ability to keep you all to keep all your server code in C sharp means life is simpler for your programmers, and most importantly, you'll get to the market faster. If much lower cost of development and efficiency of operations is your jam, then Beamable is your toast. Go to beamable.com because deconstructor of fun told you so. Yeah, that's a that's such a good that's that's exactly the point. Like people are looking for something different. They're looking for a community. They're looking for, for for yeah. I mean, I think I think people are looking for a community. Like a lot of the times when when I'm going through the hiring and we kind of bring the person in, especially now we can actually bring the person in. Don't have to test anybody yeah. or wear masks. Right. Um, so, kind of showing what it is like, and that's usually the question where people ask, like, what is it like working mm-hmm. at? you know, our company, yeah. that's probably the, the people ask the same thing and that's what they want to know. And that's the atmosphere you get when you walk into the studio, you're kind of seeing, could I be, you know, could I enjoy my right. time here? So, well, you talked about employer branding and that's yeah. people think they already know what it's like to work with us before they work with us because of the mm-hmm. message that we've been sending out. And you know what the message that we really do send out, it is hilarious. Like, we laugh ourselves sick every single day. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous the things mm-hmm. we get up to. Um, but we're still making stuff. I mean, we've, we've already signed our first deal. We started our first deal within like three weeks um, of starting the studio um, with a major AAA publisher. Um, and they came to us and said, yeah, we love what you're doing. Um, we like the message. Do you have people you can work with? They said, yeah, we got these people. We got our, our folks down at Pipeworks that are uh, part of the journey too. And they went, great, let's do it. I'm like, 
okay, we got a deal. We got we got three people. Yeah, exactly. We got three people. It was basically, it was three of us and and, and the folks, and we, yeah. and we ended up signing a deal. And then we're like, okay, um, this is happening, folks. And uh, you know, careful, careful what you wish for. It's like I'm still figuring out, okay, the desk should we get? And it's like, oh yeah, by the way, still making a deal with. So um, and that's been so yeah. flattering and so uh, and so rewarding. Love it. Um, how long did you spend? How, how how long did you spend on setting a vision and values for Timber before kind of announcing and, and having the uh, the coming out party? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say we spent a, f- a few months on it um, back and forth. So it was Zoe and Jeff and I were the three amigos. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Coates is our uh, creative director for the studio. Uh, Jeff and I worked together um, at, um, uh, at Capcom. I hired him to be the studio art director. But Jeff's been in it as long as I have. Um, he's one of the founding creators of SSX and dozens of other games. Um, and he's the one that draws pictures of me wearing jorts for some reason. Um, ridiculous <laughs> humiliation comics. Um, but, he's, but he's such a creative guy. And, uh, and, he's, and he's got an amazing eye for quality. And, um, and uh, it was really important for him uh, what the vision and values were. And so I remember calling Jeff up. I was in California. I said, I think I might want to do a thing. Do you want to do a thing? Was, yeah, let's do a thing. Uh, I said, okay, I'm not ready yet, but let's talk. And we kept on talking, and then here we are. And then Zoe was an easy one. I said to Jeff, um, I said, hey, you know what? I, what do you think about Zoe to run production for us? And he goes, oh my God, I love Zoe. I said, right. Um, and, you know, Zoe has been super successful in her career. Um, she brings such an amazing, um, uh, she brings a wealth of knowledge of everything from um, proper management of getting a video game done, but also diversity, inclusion, all of the things that people talk about and put things on websites, but sometimes don't always put their best foot forward. Um, Zoe keeps us honest and accountable and on in line. And, um, and so the three of us sat down and said, okay, let's talk about the things that are important to us. And because we've all been doing this for such a long time, we've seen good, bad, and ugly. And we said, okay, these are the things that are important to us. And these are the things we want to uh, bestow upon people so they can, um, they know what it's like to work with us. And so we led with vision and values first. Um, and that's where culture drives creative came from because the culture of the team is going to drive the final product. So, um, of course, so then of course we wrote all our vision and values out and you know who we are, what do we do? And, um, and people like it. They, they, they want to know what is it like to work at a studio like ours because they have choices. They have amazing choices, not in, not just in Vancouver, but everywhere in Canada. So, we yeah. spent a lot of time working on those things. So, and, and where did the sort of um, um, like appreciation towards employer branding come from? Or, you know, because you clearly spent a lot of time thinking about this, clearly spent a lot of time in strategizing how you're going to stand out, uh, what kind of an employer are you going to be, what kind of values you're going to have. Have you always been this way or is this um, a new thing? Um <clears throat> I think I've gotten more into it later rather than earlier. Um, you know, one of the amazing things of working at Maxis is, you know, when I got to Maxis, like I had huge shoes to fill when they hired me. Um, I'm a, I, like I'm a, I'm a six foot five white guy, um, which there's millions of us around. Um, and yeah, but but you got a cool tattoo. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a tree on it, right? So of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like I got, a, you know, I got a deer in the wall, like a wooden deer. It's like, how can you? Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, but yeah, the vision and values are always really important because people want to know where they stand. People want to know, hey, am I doing the right thing? It's more than, hey, did I complete mm -hmm. the task? Did I deliver the milestone? They want to know, am I a member of this community? And am I, am I driving the company forward in a good and better way? Because as you know, I mean, you're doing it. Um, as you know, you spend probably more time with the people that you work with in your family um, often enough. And if you're not, Sad, you're not digging it, and if it's not working, um, uh, you're going to leave. And so it's really important for us to feel, uh, for all of, everyone that works with us, to feel like they they, they are contributing towards that um, that goal. Um, I learned a lot from EA. Uh, I learned a lot from working at Maxis because Maxis was something completely different than not anything I'd ever done. Um, I've worked on everything from you know FIFA and Champions League and um, and and the Simpsons and 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 everything in between, like you know uh, mowing down zombies, Maxis, all kinds of stuff, mm -hmm. and um, uh, and Maxis was such a different product because there's no winner you know, in a Maxis game. There's no winners. It's just a, it's an experience. And so um, we went through a lot of branding and vision and value exercises. And it will take a lot of the things that I learned and apply it to what we're doing at Timber. That's, uh, yeah. So, so essentially this, this type of approach came over time. And, and that's what usually happens that you get more touchy feely, the older, the more, the more years you, you accumulate yep. in the, uh, in the industry, especially the bigger, the companies yeah. you work for, because the bigger, the company, I think the more convoluted, the values are, the more studios you have at different locations, the more different values, these studios have that the, they're kind of like their mini companies. Yeah. And then the more locations you have, the more sort of, um, a little bit of a Game of Thrones is going yep. on. Politics comes in. That's that's totally understandable. That's how people are. That we are very tribal, and um, and I think that probably has influenced you a bit as well as you've been in big companies yeah. and kind of coming back and starting small again. You'd be like, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want to start fresh, and I feel like I need to invest into people. Right. Right. Well, I have a lot of sayings. A lot of weird sayings yeah. that you know that old Canadian <laughs> thing comes through. But um, you know, one of the things I used to say a lot is that people that know the least about video games are the people that make video games. Um, and, and the reason <laughs> I say that is because sometimes you get people that are so head down and making one kind of game, they have no time to go out and play other people's games and enjoy other people's mm -hmm. products because they're so ingrained into the massive product that they make. And it's easy to get tunnel vision. It's easy to be in, you know, on a track and you think, oh, we make this, we make this. And you got to kind of stop and look around and go, oh my God, there's all these other really amazing games out there. Um, and it's important. Uh, uh, we feel anyway, you know, we are, as a group, our team gets together. We talk about video games all the time. We talk about the games we like. We share games with each other. Um, so we find all these little indie games and you're like, oh my God, this is an amazing indie game. And we end up playing the crap out of it. And, um, and we take a little bit from every experience that we have playing other people's games and, and think about, okay, wow, that really, that really uh, got to me in this part. How can I actually create that in what we're doing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of falling back in love with games. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, we have one of the things that we've really talked about is um, you can make video games for a game reviewer, or you can make a video game for a gamer or, or a person that plays games. Um, <laughs> And sometimes they're different. Sometimes you go so deep on features um, that no one's ever going to use to satisfy a Metacritic number. Um, but sometimes you just focus on what that true experience is and just make it really, really awesome. Those are the ones that really kind of break through and have people get excited about it. And uh, one of the values that we have in our, is 
or the vision that we have is we really want to make it easier for people to feel awesome when they play the game. Mm -hmm. Not switching it on easy mode, but getting you quick to the fun and making you feel like, man, I'm, I'm really enjoying myself and I don't feel like I'm not good enough to play this game right away. And I'm not talking about making yeah, yeah. really super easy one button games. That's not what we're saying. But there's so many games that I would that that I'd love to play. But I don't have time to play, right? Um, <laughs> like I'll give you an example. And I think this is an amazing game, and I want to play it. I don't have the time to invest in it. Eve Online. Are you kidding me? Oh no! I, Somebody, I I just had a conversation today about it. I don't, I don't like, that. <laughs> like, and it's an amazing game. And you know what I find is I really is enjoy. It? I really is enjoy it? listening to the experiences that people have had playing the game condensed yeah. into small bits, thinking, man, that's really cool. Yeah. I don't have time to do that. But what if you made yeah. a game that was able to recreate that experience to make people feel like they got the things that they liked out of it? Um, mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I'll be really clear. We ain't making a game like that. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, make it easier for people to feel awesome about what and, and enjoying the game and and and. Yeah, making course. it deep enough that if you want to take take it further, you can. But you can still have a really satisfying experience and not be that great because we want more people to play games. And if you make it easier for them to get into it, they'll have more fun playing it. You'll make another game plan. Productive sessions, yeah. as a product manager right. would say. Right. You feel good after spending time on it. Right. That's a, that, that's a, that's a people trait in an audience. Right. So I've been, I'm, I'm too much of a, of a, like I've been, I've been reading so much audience data and productivity right. is a big thing for, especially a little bit more mature players like ourselves who don't have infinite time, who may have one, two, three daughters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so we value our productivity. Um, so I wanted to, so talking about productivity, how do you measure the effectiveness or the ROI for brand building for your studio? Like, do you look at LinkedIn followers? Um, do you look at the quantity of applications? Like you mentioned Hunter application for the, uh, for the IT person. Uh, do you look at the quality of applications or all, or all three? Yes. So what are your metrics? It's kind of all of the above, you know, um, each one of us has, uh, areas that we kind of lean into. Um, so Jeff codes is like this, like he's got like, thousands of Instagram followers because he's been doing, he's been doing cartoon art and, and, and strips for a long time. And, um, you know, uh, the only person that he has maybe drawn more than me, but that's now not happening, but he was, was Trump. Um, he used to draw okay. cartoons all the time. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but he got all these followers, right? So Jeff really doubles down and leans in on Instagram and then the Instagram followers, you know, they're all over, you know, I focus on LinkedIn because, um, you know, I, I really want to bring people on board. And Zoe leans in on other things, right? So each one of us kind of focuses on different areas. Um, and we have a timber page. We have a timber, you know, page on LinkedIn. We have timber, timber, timber everywhere. Um, and then we look at what is working with people. And we look at the things we get the most engagement in. And we find the things that give the most engagement with us is when we're just our normal human selves and we talk about some of the problems or we talk about some of the things that we're doing to, to uh um, to build a studio because it's, it's different, uh, than, than a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Like you put out something and like, we're hiring, come over to the greatest place ever. And then they'll highlight <laughs> the exact that used to work at, you know, whatever code. Yeah. Um, and they made bazillions of dollars and they do this thing and they hold these people on a pedestal. And what we're trying to do, we try to hold all of our people on a pedestal. Like we just added Leanna. Um, Leanna is an animator. Like Leanna's got the greatest story everywhere. A, her name is Anna. Uh, Leanna, she's an animator. 
Um, her, her tag is Leanimator. Um, and um, uh, we brought her on board um, and we announced her just as if we'd announced uh, uh, you know, uh, a new creative director of the studio because she's yeah. an amazing part of our studio. And so was Cass, we hired Cass. And she's you know, done amazing work. We try to highlight everybody to bring a human element of it. And what we're finding is mm -hmm. people going, wow, they're, they're hiring all these people that seem like good and normal. Um, and the one message that we haven't really beat loudly, like everyone everyone goes with the D word. They talk about diversity, right? They're, everybody likes to go there with the mm -hmm. inclusion and like to you know, wear that shirt and wear that flag. Um, that shouldn't be, that should, that's normal. That should be just a normal thing. You don't highlight it too hard because it's like, you know, that's, that's yeah. normal behavior. As of today, um, we are, I think we're 67% women in Timber Games. Um, and it's not, that's that we, awesome. it's not that we set out to hit a particular mm -hmm. number, but, um, we, we are, we are that, and we are finding that we're getting this great talent. Um, and you know, part of it is having Zoe to help us understand, um, how game studios have perhaps in, incorrectly gone after, um, talent and tried to say, Hey, we're uh, diverse and inclusive. And, uh, you know, here, here, here's your, here's your flak jacket and your, and your skull tattoo. Well, <laughs> Um, we find we get a lot of people going, wow, um, I want to work there. We had one, I'm not going to, I won't get into names, but we hired this one person <clears throat> and we asked this one person why they wanted to work for us. Um, and she teared up. She said, because you guys look like me. And it was a really profound moment. She, you know, you, I see a studio that I can see myself in. I see a studio where a bunch of the people that just interviewed me, it feels like me and I want to work there. And that was really cool. Yeah. And so that that's a, super long-winded answer that I just gave you, you talk yeah. about what's really resonating with folks, that. Um, every time we announce people, yeah. we try to announce it in pairs um, and say we have these two new people joining us to really not just say, hey, look at us, look at how diverse we are. People are figuring it out by all the announcements we make. Say, wow, they hired two more women. Mm -hmm. Hey, last week they hired a woman. And it's not about... Look at us, look at us, we're hiring women. I'm, you know, I'm talking about it, I'm making it sound like that, but it's, you know, 2021. This is what we should be doing. It's, it's an, it's an, no, no, you're, you're raising a very important topic because this is something that I've been talking, like we don't have enough women in our company, I'll be honest. And, and I kind of sat down and I've actually recorded already a podcast with some of the women in the industry uh, working at different companies. And I was like, hey, how can we hire more women? Because the women in our company and even um, women who have been contracting with our company have expressed uh, that you know, they like working with us, they join us, but then on the outside, we had this, you know, the skull and bones right. kind of approach. And you're absolutely right with that. Like, I'm, I'm actually in the process of, of totally redesigning, talking to, you know, being very inclusive to, to the folks in the, in the company that we have, but especially talking to our, our feet, you know, my female coworkers, right. trying to understand like how we should change because the fact is like, uh, you know, the diversity, whatnot. The fact is, in my experience, women are no better than men, but they're no yeah. worse. They're equal. So so the fact that we can't hire enough women means that we're missing out on a huge percentage of potentially really great candidates right. because every every female that we've hired has been fantastic. Yeah. And um, we, we definitely, so, so you've done a great job. And I think what you mentioned in the beginning is part of your founding team was a female and since the beginning you were able to position yourself in a way that it's not off-putting your job ads are not aggressive no. 
They don't talk about superstars. They don't talk about veterans. They don't talk about any of that, but they are normal. <laughs> Normality is right. like one of the things that has come up with that uh, with a lot of, a lot of females that, uh, that apply for different jobs. They find this sort of a jargon of, of, you know, um, how would I put it? Status mm -hmm. quite off-putting and, and intimidating and they end up not applying versus right. with men. Like sometimes when you, if you're looking for a lead product manager, sometimes just put in a director of product management and you'll get a lead right. applying for that position because he wants to go up right. and then you end up hiring that person as a lead and maybe, maybe they will grow to a director of product. Right. But with women, it's a totally different approach. And then the language that you use overall in your site and so forth, that matters. And finally, like what you have been doing really well, and this is just me kind of reciting what I've learned and what I'm going to put into action is like showing as much as possible of what it is like working at your company, right. showing pictures, uh, showing videos, um, kind of like giving a glimpse of what it's like so that it doesn't feel that intimidating and it's much more welcoming. And through that, hopefully one day we'll get applicants would say, I want to work here because you guys look like me. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it's still a business. It's still going to make good video games, right? Yeah. You know, we haven't announced what yeah. we're making, but we're, you know, the, you know, uh, people say, oh my God, I want to work there. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. It looks really cool and it's fun. And, you know, we're super diverse and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. we do make video games. We work really hard. We've all been doing it for a long time. So we know how to make good video games. And, of course. Um, uh, so the time, there will, you know, obviously the time will come when we announce, here's what we're working on, or look at all this cool stuff that we're doing. Um, and then that whole kind of picture will become, will be complete. But people kind of say, yeah, well, like, you know, um, you know, what have you guys done? It's like, well, we're, we're actually actively really working hard on a whole bunch of stuff right now. We just can't talk about it like, like, like everyone. Um, but, yeah. uh, but rather than lead with, hey, here's the game that we make, let's lead with here's who we are. And then, by the way, you, when, you, when you talk to us, we talk, show you what we're actually making, you'll go, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to work there and I'd like to make that thing. Um, you don't have to be hyper aggressive and. Uh, to make a triple a product um and we have now yeah. we've turned you know we've turned products down I, like i can't believe you mean saying this we have turned products down that people have come to us and said we'd like you to make this with us and i'm like yeah we can't do that it's like why not because that's not our that's not yeah. our jam it's not our vibe it's like yeah but like look at all these millions of dollars and like there's lots of millions of dollars everywhere yeah. we can make someone else sorry for interrupting this podcast but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and then regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash D-O-F or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, he's a zombie mowing. Exactly. <laughs> but it's fun and you feel good. It is. You know what? It's, it's a good way to make a living.
living. It's a fun way to make a living. I, you know, we get people that call us all the time saying, oh my God, I wish I could do what you guys do. It's like, well, you can. It's just, you can do it So how much time do you spend in recruiting? And would you recommend other executives to use similar amount of time or, or less time or more time? In your position, are you are you spending just the right time? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, I spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of time <laughs> um, to uh, recruit because we're recruiting the leadership of the studio right now. I'm one of the senior folks, you know, and uh, and I need to make sure I spend that extra time really leaning in to make sure that they are the right people that they're going to represent the studio properly. But um, you know, even though Zoe and I and Jeff and now Keith, um, our tech director. Um, have large networks. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't really go after our networks because we've all worked at companies and I don't want to do that, nor can I do that. I'm not going to phone up EA and rattle the chain and say, hey, you know, we had fun down there. You want to be here? Yeah. Um, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> we have people come to us. But we ended up hiring um, a recruiting agency um, uh, because we couldn't keep up with the demand and they're called RUM, R-H-U-M. Um, and what was interesting, we were interviewing them because, you know, we're paying the bill. We're going to hire them to do our recruiting with us. And, you know, we thought, okay, we really like them. Let's work with them. And we found out later that they were actually interviewing us, whether or not they liked us or not, because they turned clients away. And, uh, and they've been really helping us. Um, so what they've been doing is they've been um, helping source uh, source candidates and, and, and kind of pre-vet some candidates before I, I really lean in on it. But each one of us, uh, you know, in the leadership team, uh, spends a lot of time recruiting because we need to make sure we can find the best possible talent um, to to make the kind of products um, that we want. And it's man, what a what a hard lesson we've all had to learn because you know um, just as well as anyone, you have friends that are in the industry, and your friends will look to you and say, "You're my friend. You're totally gonna hire me, right?" And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to go, "Yeah, I'm not hiring you." And it's the hardest thing to do because sometimes you had friends you worked with years ago and they were amazing at what they did, but then years go by and then, you know, you look at where they are and where you're going and, and, and people change and then you, and, and people have expectations. Yeah, but we're tight, right? You're totally hiring me. And like, I'm not, I'm actually not going to hire you because yeah. you're my really good friend, but I don't, uh, you don't do the thing that I need right now. So I'm not. And that's been really challenging. The hardest thing about doing this. Even tougher thing is, letting go of your yes friends. oh my god absolutely i had to do it uh, i had to do it a couple times uh at ea yeah and i was like so yeah. bad and it's like but then years go by and then you pass that person at a at, at e3 or gdc and i think okay this person's gonna punch me in the throat it's like nope like you move on and then it's okay yeah yeah it's uh, letting anybody go is like super difficult like one thing that i've uh, really leaned in nowadays is just I, I work twice as hard to help the person find their next position yeah. if they're being let go than I worked to get them join us. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really important because maybe maybe it's just the guilt, but I also kind of like wanted to you know there's there's no bad blood after right. that, uh, and and it also it opens up in my opinion because because in Finland. Uh, I don't know what the employment laws are in Canada. Is it at will yeah. employment or? Um, it, it's 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 not easy to say goodbye to someone in Canada. There's a lot of steps you have to. Okay, so we have we have the yeah. same thing here. Like once the probation period yeah. ends, you're married. Yeah. Good exactly. luck. Exactly. So 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 probation periods are taken extremely serious. We have a six month probation mm. period uh, in Europe as as it is, and um, 
we have to take it extremely seriously. And a lot of companies don't, uh, especially at scale, they don't do that. Right. I think it's it's a little bit foolish and and we have to. So every time, like if, if that six month didn't work out, like there's different options. Of course, you can prolong it saying like, hey, you had a, your cat died. I know it was a bad situation. Right. You had a good start, kind of dipped. That was the cat. Uh, do you want to kind of give it another go and, and continue? We'll continue this or or otherwise. And, and also there's a situation where somebody just clicks immediately and delivers extremely well. Yeah. So you just want to cut the, uh, cut the probation time. Like you're good. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the team. Uh, but then there are the situations when somebody comes in and, and they just can't find their spot and can't really deliver. And you have to make that call. Right. And I think a lot of co- people who work at larger companies who are not, you know, really sitting on the PNL, not really thinking long-term, they don't want to do the uncomfortable right. thing. So they're like, you know, it's fine. We'll just, we'll just hire somebody above them yeah. or next to them or, you know, below, like we'll do something where that person, he's not like she or he is not that negative. Like, you know, they're okay. It's fine. Let's, let's keep them. Right. Uh, I think that's very foolish. Well, um, as, as you know, I spent a lot of time in Helsinki um, because uh, track 20 rolled up to me at Maxis. And yeah. um, I remember the first time I went to Helsinki and I met all the Finns um, at track 20 and it's like this big loud Canadian, he shows up and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking to the whole team, you know, I'm the new guy, and, you know, <laughs> uh, the other guy was moving on to something, uh, something else. And, and of course it's like, uh, man, like I didn't know what to expect when I got to Finland, but man, I, I missed them. I missed the Finns so bad. I really do. Cause they were, they were just so awesome. <laughs> Because I got to know them because it was so different than anything I'd ever experienced. And so I finished my whole preamble and I'm blah, blah, blah. It's okay. Are there any questions? Mm. It was like, <laughs> not one Silence. person said anything. They just stared at me. Um, so one of, the, one of the things I did have a conversation with a bunch of people, I said, you know, look, um, here's where we're going. This is what we're going to do. Um, if anybody doesn't want to do that and they think that, man, I'm going to hate this. I think I might want to quit. Um, I, I said, uh, have a conversation with me first. And if you want to quit, um, and it's because you think it's something that's maybe, you know, me have a viewpoint that, it, that that's not correct or something, then let's talk about it. But if you really don't want to be here and you know, you're a decent person, let me help you find a landing pad. Let me put some effort into helping you with my network, mm-hmm. get you a job outside of the studio. Um, and it's really weird when a couple of people take you up on it and then of course, the second time you visit, you go, oh, my God, Joe's going to let everyone go. I was like, I'm not letting anyone go. I'm just here to have a conversation with people. And it was really good. And it builds trust. And that's how you build relationships. Sometimes the, 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 uh, one of the greatest people ever at the studio will be even greater doing something else at a different studio. And sometimes you get a 30,000 foot view and you can see that. You're not asking for thanks later, but you know that deep down they're going, Man, I'm so glad that I've gone off to do this other thing. Because as you know, you can see um, things in people and how they work that they can't see themselves. And often some people around them can't see, and you can think, man, you'd be so much better doing your own thing, or you'd be so much better doing X or Y. Um, and sometimes yeah. you need to give them that yeah. nudge and a lot of time they, they need it and they're happy about it. Yeah. It's, it, and it's also just finding yourself in, in a little bit of, in a situation where you can't win. Like sometimes people want to take a position that they, they can't succeed. And then there's a little bit of an ego where they yeah. still think they can do it. And at that point, it's just good to have a conversation. Like, I, I don't think this is, it's not you. It's, it's where you are. Right. 
I, I don't think you're going to win. And just think about it and come back tomorrow yeah. or at the end of the week and let's talk about the, uh, the next things because I doubt it not going to happen. Like you don't have the, the qualities or the organizations too, too different. But anyways, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation. Yeah. It's, it's always tough. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody who, who enjoys fighting no, except no, Donald no, Trump. No. You mentioned him. You mentioned him before that that was the comic. I think that's the only person in the world that, yeah. that actually has made it into a brand. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> but, um, but, but, but it's, it's extremely tough. It's extremely tough, especially since we're in these type of situations, in these type of positions where we actually put in a lot of work to get that person in and really put in a lot of work to make them fit in and make them succeed in, in the, in the position that they've taken. So, so yeah, um, very, very important. Yeah, part. For sure. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of a little bit shift our, our discussion about mission values, uh, all this super touchy feely mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, because, you know, like a lot of the times people feel like this whole empl employer branding is just a very functional thing. It's, it's what you do to lower the cost of workforce acquisition and maybe improve your retention of, of right. ex extremely functional. Uh, but I think it's more than that. I think it's a, in a, it's in a big way, an extension of the company culture and the, uh, the employer brand should very much mirror the existing and the aspiring mm -hmm. values of the company values and the mission. So with that kind of lead in, how did you align? Uh, how did you, as studio co-founders, align on the company mission and the values, or the studio mission and the values? Um, so again, we've we all been doing this a long time, and we thought about what are the things that we really hated about making video games, or the things we liked about making video games. Kind of had a list of all the things we liked about it, and then all the things we didn't like about it. And we said, okay, what are the behaviors that we've seen that cause the things that you don't like about it? And kind of looked at those things. Said, okay, can we can we find a way to diffuse those problems? and lean in on the other things. Um, happier people do better work. People that feel uh, included and part of a community do greater work. And it's infectious to other people. Um, we, you know, we're all remote right now. We're not in an office right now. We are all remote. Oh, you yeah, are. We're not going to stay remote. We're waiting to get an office, right? But we want to make sure we find the right office with the right amount of people. And we're going to be a hybrid approach. We're going to have... Um, there's some people that will never come to the company. There are some people that will just be remote uh, all the time. And we are, you know, we've got a couple of people that don't. Well, we have a person in Montreal. We have another contract person um, um, that's doing some work with us. Um, we are going to embrace. If you want to come into the office and do it, go for it. If you don't want to go in the come into the office, you want to come in for just company meetings or what have you, you could do that too. We're going to really lean into the hybrid role. Um, people like to say hybrid, but hybrid means different things to different people. But we want to give people that option and the choice. Would you like to work like this? And if they if it works out well, then great. Then they can stay like that. But um, you know, really leaning into the things that we enjoyed about all of the companies that we worked at, and then the things that we didn't enjoy. Um, let's figure out how do we work around that. So you know, um, we want we have a lot of values that we that we push. Like you know, we consider ourselves pursuers of fun because um, it's video games. I mean, come on. It's a video game. It's supposed to be fun. It's not, not supposed to make you stressed out and cramp up every time you got to play the game. So it'll be enjoyable. So yeah. let's lean into that. We think another thing that... Pursuer of fun. That's I, I like oh, that. Oh, Way better I than... I got a fun. You can run them down. Um, so, okay, well, <laughs> we consider ourselves pursuers of fun. We 
consider ourselves visionary yeah. explorers. Um, you know, we're going to grab the machete and go through the forest. We don't know what we're going to find in all cases, but let's have a look. Um, and we might find this is a really dumb idea or is a really great idea. But if we just sit back and don't do anything, you can guarantee the results will be we didn't do anything. Um, one thing that we have as a value, which Zoe actually came up with and we kind of thought about it and said, yeah, that's really dope, is clarity. We think we need to be creators of clarity. And what that really means is people want to know what's expected of them at work. They want to know, what am I supposed to do? Do I know where we're going? Do I know why we are going to do that? And that's all the people that work for us, but it's also for the people that play our games. Like, what am I doing in the game? How do I know where to go? And that's, you know, the UI and UX, all that mm. stuff comes into it. But we think clarity is really important because how many times have you sat down with a game that everyone's playing and you feel like you're the only idiot that doesn't know how to do the one thing because it's not, you know, all these UX people that give you this amazing journey, but this is the thing that you missed because you skipped past one button press a couple screens ago and you can't get forward. Um, we think it's a really important thing to make sure that everybody knows where to go and how to succeed, not how to win, not how to, you know, easily do it, mm -hmm. but how to get there. Um, and it's the same thing for the people that work with us. How do I, how do I know what I'm doing is the right thing and I'm doing the right work, but how, what's my path? I can tell you half the people that have come to work with us have come to work with us because we have given them in their opinion, a path of how they can grow their career and the companies they were at, they felt they were not going anywhere and they didn't even know how to get where they were thinking they wanted to go. So we are trying to provide a very clear path for someone that comes in as X and they want to get the Y. Um, I very, I, I like that, that clarity. It's so much better than transparency. Right? Nobody's transparent. Oh my God. Like, what are you talking about? Transparency? Yeah. Transparency <laughs> is just like, you know, um, like the transparency, but they're really not, right? No, they're not. Um, so we want clarity, um, just to make sure yeah. that people hold us accountable with that. Um, we are, we consider ourselves diversity champions. Not that we are, mm -hmm. we champion it. We are not champions of it. We champion the, the, yeah. the push towards it. Um, and, and having the right conversation with the right people, because, you know, there's nothing worse than you have this funny because. You know, there's Jeff and I and Zoe and Keith for the four founders. Uh, and, and Jeff and I, and Keith laughs like, okay, you got the three whitest guys ever. Um, and then you've got Zoe. Um, and uh, we're making sure that we, we do not just, we get, we get counsel on, you know, are we doing this right? Am I, am I, am I using the right language? How do I know yeah. if I'm going the right path? We have a lot of people that tell us, I mean, our staff now, they tell us right away. It's like, uh, yeah, you can't say that or you shouldn't go that way or no, that Oh no, your staff is language policing well, you. Not so much language policing, but just kind of like, you know, kind of more of a thought and try to say, how should I say this? And they'll yeah. go, you should say it this way. I'm like, oh. we're, you know, it's funny. Yeah. And we're not afraid to tell each other as a group whether we're doing a good job or a bad job. And, you know, like nothing's like, there's some people that can't handle a compliment, right? I can say, you know, Jeff, I thought what you did today was amazing. Like I thought that that pitch mm -hmm. was incredible. And like, I'm so grateful to work with you and people go, Oh my God, whatever. And like, you know, you get embarrassed by that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we are, we're so used to giving people feedback, uh, on both angles on that, that, it, that it's just become natural. Um, and so when we, if we think we're being diverse, maybe we're not, um, we think that we are making strides to be a diverse studio. It's easy for me to say, Hey, we're 67% female. 
that's kind of a big deal in video game land, but it's a big deal. It's not, it's not, we're not hanging on that. Right. Like it was like, do we have, do we have people of minorities working with us? Um, and, and, and minorities in Vancouver are different than minorities in other cities because every city has got a different demographic makeup. Yeah. And you know, there's, um, one of the sumo studios is called the Chinese room and they put out this video that was amazing. And they're talking about bringing in interns and people that want to join the, uh, the workforce. And they said, Hey, um, are you in a different field? Would you like to try working with something like us? You know, we'd like to hear from you. Are you uh, just starting out in your career on an internship? We'd like to hear you. Are you a mature, a mature person that has been doing something else for 30 years and just hate your, hate your life and want to do something else? Let's find out if this, if this, is there a path here for you? And that, you know, I'm an older guy and I went, that speaks to a lot of people that I know that think that they, they have no future. They cannot do this because they've been working at X and they can never do anything creative like this. And really they are actually very creative and they don't think they could get it. So it's not diversity, just it's like sometimes the diversity is invisible. Um, and and to yeah. make sure we have the right classes on. I, I like to also just talk about the diversity of mind yep. because mm. I mean, Vancouver could be a great example. Yep. You know, it's it's quite diverse city. A lot of Asian people yep. live in Vancouver. Um, but, you know, if you go down to the ground level, like you might look different, but you went through the same schools. Like, yep. You're really Canadian. Like you're born yep. here. You you watch hockey. You like the Canucks. Yep. You know, it's yep. uh, it's it's like there's not much different ways of thinking. Maybe your parents were thinking differently. Yeah. You for sure are 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 very Canadian, so that that, that well, might not bring that we, much diversity. We we do the three P's of we have three the three P's of diversity, and it's people, product, and places. Diverse people, diverse products, and diverse places where we make them. Um, we're just getting rolling in Vancouver, like that's where we're starting. But we are looking at other places in British Columbia, whether it's Vancouver Island, the interior of this province, and then we're looking east. You know, we're looking east to see where else can we bring people on board to uh, this timber group. Um, you know, when I uh, Simpsons tapped out, Simpsons tapped out, made by a whole pile of people in Prince Edward Island out on the east coast of Canada. Right. Who would have thought like like it's PEI, the Helsinki of Canada, maybe. But um, what is a great group of mobile talent there that doesn't want to leave there. It's like, what do I have to leave? It's mobile talent. I can do this work. Why do I have to go move to a big city to do the work that I'm doing just fine here? And so we look at these little pockets exactly. of, of talent across Canada. That's what I've got my head set at. It's like, hmm, we're starting in Vancouver. Now, unfortunately, Canada is like the longest country to get across. <laughs> it takes eight hours just to fly across it. But yeah. it's there's, there's lots of places. Um, and so we want to bring in the diverse locations as well as people on product. Yeah. All right, Winnipeg, Edmonton, oh, yeah. Calgary, um, <laughs> everything in the well, middle, the place, race for um, impact. Yeah, like <laughs> um, and, and but you know what's really fun is um, video games for the longest time have been so West Coast. It's always been the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and then I look at something like Toronto. Why does Toronto have like very few video game companies per capita? Like Toronto's the but, biggest city. But Montreal. Montreal has a lot. Yeah, they do. But Montreal has a, a couple of sneaky things because so Montreal, yeah, of course they've got they've got Ubisoft and they've got you know my, my friend Patrick Klaus over at Motive and um, and uh, Square Enix, yeah. Game Loft, yep. um, and uh, Idos, 
um, you know, which is making waves with their four day work week. Um, um, awesome. But they also have really amazing tax credits. Like the tax credits in Montreal yes. are just stupid. It's like incre incredible tax credits. And, uh, and yes. that's why, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to go there. Um, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'll look at everything in between um, too. Yeah, it's, a, it's cheaper to hire in Montreal than it is in Romania. Right. So people who don't know where Romania is, you're not, I can't say you're not missing out, but you're not missing <laughs> out. <laughs> it's, it, let's just, like, they're not on the forefront in the, uh, in the European um, Union. Great place. Yes. Nothing against Romanians. Amazing people, but maybe not the wealthiest country of them all. No. Let's put it this way. Ex-Soviet Union country. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, um, uh, we think that there's lots of different places in, uh, to make video games, lots of ways to make video games. And, you know, people, and, and I'm probably the 10 million person to say this, but, you know, the, the pandemic did kind of show people that we are in a bulletproof industry and we actually can do it from home. I was yeah. marveling at EA because when the pandemic hit, I remember sitting down with my boss and she said, okay, we're all going to have to go home for two weeks, like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but how EA mobilized um, everyone's machines getting sent to their home, getting all the proper networks and security protocols in place, and they shipped FIFA. Like, oh my God, how did that even happen? Everyone worked from home, and they got the oh, biggest game in the world. Let, let, let's be honest. It's the same game. Every <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. But but let's let's be absolutely honest. Like, and the content kind of, you know, makes itself, if you will. I mean, there are just players who are being traded to different clubs. So shout out to FIFA. Yeah. I play the game every week. I love it. It's the same game. Let's let's not yeah, kill ourselves. A lot, of, a lot of work every year goes into it for sure. But yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. it's like there's um, you know, they're not making Grand Theft Auto every year. I mean, I understand that, right? But yeah, exactly. But like totally this, they, they made an update. They made a big update. Yeah, exactly. So, so kudos to them. But but yeah, you're right. They've done it also 20 years in a row. Yes, so I know. Exactly. I did about seven seven of those years. I was on there too. So um. yeah. It, it's my favorite game. Like honestly, out of out of all of them, I I love it even more than NHL, and I and I love it despite never watching football or soccer. I don't know which one it's called in Canada. Uh, yeah, we call it soccer in Canada, but uh, yeah, it's okay. so much time working I, on that. It's, it's football, right? But um, couldn't care less about soccer, but I love FIFA. Yeah, Could not care at all. Also, how many people played SSX and never even seen the snow, right? So. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, a fantastic game. Shout out to the team. So, so, uh, um, anyway, the one more thing that uh, we, uh, the one more thing we just wanted to hit on yeah. too, as well, is um, that we believe that um, uh, everything that we are going to create in video game uh, land is, is going to have a longer tail. Um, it's about building relationships with your customers, players. Um, so we really, we're really leaning in on our community because. People like, again, more buzzwords, use generated content and all that kind of stuff. It is what, it's yeah. what people are doing. Yeah. Um, they're going to generate their own stuff. And um, I find and have found that, you know, you make the game, you put the game out, you do some updates and you have some live service. And, and, and But people are going to do what they're going to do with it. And it's actually usually the most interesting stories of what the people that didn't make the game, that bought the game and what they did with it become super interesting. And we think that that is absolutely the future, whether you're talking about... Um, a long tail with lots of updates or a way that people can express themselves. And, you know, I'm not even going to get into blockchain, but like the whole blockchain thing about how yeah. it actually preserves authenticity and rarity and security. I mean, blockchain is a good buzzword, but um, mm -hmm. it really is a very powerful system. And if you can use it yes. properly, 
um, it's going to be used in ways that we can't even think about right now. Um, so we really believe that uh, um, a lot of what we're going to be doing in Timber is just not fire and forget. We're going to put the game out um, or games out and, and have a relationship with the community uh, and, and make sure that we listen to them. Because you know what? The community is usually right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they pay your bills. Yep. Um, how does, you know, Timber is a part of Sumo and Pipeworks. Yep. How do you align your values with the sort of corporate values and corporate mission? Like, is there any overlap or how, how does that work? Well, I know for um, one thing that we discovered, you know, we've been working with Pipeworks um, for a while. And um, and then when Sumo came into the picture, I had to meet Carl and Paul. Um, and uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure we're getting T-shirts made for them. That's just like greenlit the stupid studio and all I got was this. No, I, I greenlit the studio and all I got was this t-shirt. <laughs> um, but um, man, uh, Sumo, it does so much more than I ever thought they do. They have a great community outreach. They really lean in on, on important topics. They invest in their people. They invest in educating their people with stuff called Dojo and Udemy. Like it's all this online learning and learning that is relevant, not just, you know, stupid learning that you could just have a certificate that you got and you never use it. Um, and man, I'm so impressed with how Sumo has leaned in and supporting their people. Uh, I didn't really know a ton about them. I, I knew about them a hundred years ago when I first worked uh, a little bit with them on FIFA, but, um, man, um, they really care about their people, uh, and they really care about their community and they're making great strides. I really admire them. I can't believe how, um, um, how much they align with us. Um, so when we were leaning in and looking at what our vision and values were, um, and having conversations with Carl and Paul in particular, they're saying, um, we love what you guys are saying. Um, and, um, in fact, when they shared their vision and values, there was some stuff that they, uh, shared with us that I thought that, well, we thought we came up with that and actually they had to, um, and, um, uh, and there was a great alignment there. So that's been really refreshing. Um, they really do. They, they really care about the folks. Um, and every studio is 14 of them, uh, or 15 now, um, they're all different, but they all kind of have that aligned sense of, uh, of connection to each other. Hmm. So it's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at the, uh, the websites. It's a, it's a, it's really cool. Yeah. You know what? Like they celebrate people joining, uh, uh joining the studio and, um, yeah. and, uh, we love that. And they've been reaching out to us all the time. They was like, Oh my God, this is really cool. We love what you guys are doing. Can't wait to meet you guys in person. You know, welcome to the family. We feel like we've known them for a lot longer, um, than, um, than we have. I remember mm. Carl sent me the um, the values that they had, and I had a bunch that I had drafted up for Maxis that I, you know, obviously I kept the values in my head. And one of the values was almost word for word the same one, and this is the one we thought that we came up with, but Carl did too, and his team. And it's always assume good intent, um, and I really love that one because. Um, most people are really good people and most people want the best for their companies. And sometimes they, they slip up, but always assume they're doing it uh, with, with the right intent to make something better. So always mm -hmm. assume that everyone's working with the best intent. And if there are slip ups, you could say, well, what did you mean by that? It's like, I was doing this. I was like, oh, I thought you were going yeah. that way. Um, and when you assume good intent with folks, they tend to honor that and reward it. Um, and uh, so we've been uh, super excited about working with Sumo. That's, that's awesome. And, and regarding your values, like, how do you, how do you really, like a lot of people, 
I, let's be honest. I've been at the companies where, where the values have been made among the executives and kind of like, you know, distributed downstream. Not And the values have been even made in a way that, that they were just voted. Like integrity sounds cool. Let's just put it in there. Right. Uh, you know, that way, uh, instead of really thinking about what the company does and what the vision for it and so forth. So th- those have been kind of uh, sad experiences. Right. Uh, but how do you communicate and enact company values at Timber, especially being remote? Like that's a, that's, that's, that must be somewhat challenging, right? It is. Um, but we have found using technology to remain constantly connected to everybody. Um, it, it's been a little bit easier. Um, obviously, when, when we've had the new people join us, we kind of walk them through and they're onboarding. Uh, uh, onboarding. These are our vision and values. Um, it's on our website. We've got some vision and values in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we, uh, whether it's, um, we, use, we use Slack. Um, whether there's a bunch of huddles going on in Slack, or we just have these different channels, where we're always getting, we're always trying to get together. We get together virtually, all of us, at least once or twice a week, where we all talk about different things. We play games together. Um, we've been playing Worms, um, which is just like such a great game. Like Worms is just the greatest game. I know and, it's so, so it's good. Like, I haven't played it for a really long time. We just started playing it again. It's hilarious because you know some people have never played yeah. it. It's like, oh my god, this is the greatest game! And, um, um it's it's the conversations we have we all go out for lunch every couple of weeks um the whole team gets together um and we get out and we talk and what we found is that um remote's okay right now it is not how we're going to stay we are going to have an office where people are going to come in when they need to there's going to be some people will be in there every day um one of our employees um uh actually used to walk used to go into the office where she used to work basically by herself and there was one other person there because she just needed to know there was someone else like there to kind of talk with and hang with because you're a very social person um and when we get the office which will be in the new year uh, Mm -hmm. we fully anticipate people are going to uh spend more time together but it's really we talk about it all the time and we and we're constantly asking uh you know i I say our employees feels kind of like hierarchical but we ask we ask the team you know, this cool. Like, do you feel like you're reacting this way? Are we doing the right thing? Um, and uh, they have great conversations with us. It's like we've all worked in companies where you know, getting to chat with the boss is like we have to talk to their their executive and assistant, and they'll fit you in at a certain time. Uh, maybe. maybe, and I have felt that even at EA, it took me forever to talk to yeah. some of the people that you know are like you know, 15 feet away. Um, and yeah. I hated that. And I never want us to be like that. So uh, people talk to us all the time and they say, we can't believe we're allowed to talk to you guys the way that we talk to each other. We're yeah. all people. Well, that will change. That will change with all the growth. Sure. But I think what you, I like, that's, I think so. But the like, barrier should can, be time, can, not level. Yes. I know. I know. And despite how how accessible you, you are uh, and you want to be, still new people like when timber is hundreds of people they will still look at joe like a big boss oh my god he's coming here from vancouver we're down here in sasquatch or well if it makes it a better job than the dudes in oregon so. 
Yeah. I'm really trying to figure out like the most difficult Canadian <laughs> town name. That's where you need to put in the uh, the studio. But anyways, like when you be coming in and, and it will be same, like probably like in Helsinki, like you come in and people are just quiet and they kind of look at you and try to assess. But what really helps, I think, is those game nights, yeah. because when you can play with your boss, there's no hierarchy in that, you know, hit him with a baseball bat and worms, let him fly right. into the water. Well, people say, and some people have said, hey, are you okay the way that Jeff draws you? And I'm like, it wouldn't matter if I yeah. wasn't. Because uh, yeah. Jeff just decided one day that he was going to draw me wearing jorts. I've never won. <laughs> I've never won, ever. But he thought it'd be funny if he did it one day. Um, and it's become this thing. Yeah. Um, and there is a certain approachability that we have created by making cartoon versions of ourselves. It's funny. I was out, um, I was walking down the street near my house. I was walking to a, a grocery store and I ran into um, a colleague of mine that actually does business development with me. And, um, and his wife was with him and I've never met his wife. And I didn't, uh, I didn't see him right away, but she saw me and she goes, Oh my God, are you Joe? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she goes. I recognized you from the cartoon, and Rob goes, "Oh hey!" You know, it's like his wife recognized me from the cartoon before Rob, who was my colleague, recognized me as a human. <laughs> and she she recognized you even even without the jorts. Without the jorts, yeah. <laughs> but it's become this kind of that's, that's... um, it's become this yeah. Uh, it kind of breaks the ice, right? A little bit with people because they meet us and they go, "Wow, you kind of look exactly like." Yeah, it's Zoe's six foot two. She's tall. Um, we make Jeff out to be like he's three feet tall. In fact, we have, there's a cartoon <laughs> where we've got him in a baby Bjorn. Um, but he's, still, he's actually six feet tall, but we've perpetuated this myth that he's like really small. Um, but it's first people say to us when we interview them, literally every time people talk to us on Zoom, they go, "How tall are you guys?" Because they think that we're yeah. huge and just. <laughs> So I and I mean it's just it's just such a great way that that you're kind of laughing, uh, you know, at yourself and with each other, and that, that just shows the uh, the culture yeah. and and makes you much more accessible. So I, I totally understand. How are you going to uphold these these values as your team grows? Like, how do you make sure that this culture that you've built that you've set up will be there despite and despite the rapid growth mm-hmm. that you're seeing now and probably will see in the future. Um. It, it takes discipline. It takes having uh, difficult conversations with, you know, uh, the founders. We, you know, we've had a couple conversations together where we said, you know, we're really not acting the way that we're supposed to act in this regard. We've had some of those. And it's just kind of like a check and balance that we have. Um, every studio that I've worked at, when I was at Capcom, um, every Friday, 11 o'clock, the entire staff got jammed into the cafeteria and I'd stand up in front of them and I would talk to them about all the things, the wins and losses and things that we had during the week. Um, and it started out, it was just the Joe show. It'd be like, nah, 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 I'd be out there talking. And over time, they became more comfortable with it. And then all the staff would come up and present all these different things together. And um, it became just this natural reflex. We all got together on Friday. And sometimes we talked for 10 minutes. Sometimes we talked for two hours. Um, and we tried to foster that sense of uh, community with teams and i think that we'll do it again um you know i did it with maxis although maxis was way way bigger and then way more terrifying when i first got there um i had to go to the auditorium um i got on stage um in front of like 200 people that didn't know me and i thought okay i'm gonna have to try and win them over and i said some stuff that pissed them off and said some stuff that they liked 
um, but they always knew that they could um, have that conversation with me. And all of the execs of yeah. all of us founders have, have uh, aligned on that. We will not ever intentionally get to the point where we're feet up on the desk, chomping on a cigar, and now you can't see Joey's too busy, right? We're not going to do that. Um, we want people yeah. to um, always have that connection to us and hold us accountable because they have choices. They can say, you know what? I came for the values. I'm going to go work at the coalition. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. So one of the things, like I was reading the uh, the book, No Rules, Rules, and and um, the CEO of Netflix was, was, uh, was talking about how many one-on-ones he does a mm-hmm. year. I believe it was 500. Yep. Because that's the uh, the amount of, of sort of like VPs or directors yep. he has. I think he goes down to the director level and has at least one hour of one-on-one. And I think that's a pretty powerful message uh, because you can't expect that people will come no. to you as the organization grows, no matter you know how many cartoons you draw of yourself or how accessible you are and how many, how many highs you say. Like You actually have to take the time of, of scheduling an hour in somebody's calendar maybe even once yeah. a year, hopefully like at least yeah. once a quarter and just spending that time. And it's time spent. Like, like it's, it's, you know, it, it, it probably not the thing you think you need to be doing is, is like next week, I'm going to do 20 hours of one ones It's like, well, what, really? What can be considered a chore for uh, the head of a studio can yeah. sometimes be the highlight of someone's month. Exactly. Like, I and a lot of people this. don't do it. I said, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a one-on-one with every single person at Max says, no, and you're crazy. Yeah. It took me eight months to have a one-on-one with every single person yeah. at Max says, but I did. And some yeah. of them are horrible. Some are just like, oh, well, I don't want to talk to you while you're talking to me. I don't like talking to people. Yeah. Like, so, no, that's okay. 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 You can just go. <laughs> okay. Maybe finding a balance between that. So everybody who's listening Sometimes you can have a group on yes. one, <laughs> just maybe like invite. Well, we, did that, you know, we started. We started it with one on ones because I was a new person mm-hmm. and I had everything. Like, yeah. um, I remember I had a, a meeting with a, a woman that worked at Maxis, and and uh, I had just started, and she was uh, reporting to me, and I could tell it was a weird situation. I could just feel this really weird vibe, and I said, "So what's going on? What's, going, what's on your mind?" She goes, "Can I just be honest with you?" I went, well, I would hope you would always want to be honest with me. She goes, okay. Mm-hmm. She goes, I'm really disappointed that you're not a woman, that we didn't hire a woman. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was okay with it because it was the first time I'd ever experienced a form of discrimination, I guess, that tons of other people have faced forever. And I thought, well, thanks for having the courage to say that to me. And I will show you and I will earn my respect with you that, you know, I am not who you wanted. Um, and, and that was okay. And we ended up becoming friends and, you know, having, having a decent relationship. But what we did after as a group, um, I, uh, just like you said, a, a group on one, I changed it to ask me anything. And every Friday I would go into one of the meeting rooms at EA and, uh, it'd be like at four o'clock and we sit back and I just sit there and anyone that wanted to come and talk to me about anything we, we would do. Yeah. And, that worked. and then I brought my whole leadership team. And so it became ask us everything. And we did it every Friday. And they just, and sometimes no one showed up. Uh, and sometimes tons of people showed up, but we were always there. And they felt that we had access and we're going to do the same thing at Tim. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. I do have to say that, that, that whole thing is like, I'm disappointed. Like you're not a woman. That's, that's insensitive. That's like, you just started at a new place that is very intimidating, very big. Um, very intimidating. 
<laughs> and and just discriminating somebody on their sex it's like that's not but okay. you know what i thought that's, that's I thought about it and, I, and i said wow i said that's amazing that no one's ever said anything like that to me but i said uh, i imagine that's how you must have felt so many times in your career but no one actually said it and she said yeah and i went okay well i said do you think we're going to be okay i said do you think we're going to find a path to each other and talk about this and she goes yeah she just i just felt i had to tell you I, I actually, I didn't yeah. actually, I didn't actually want them to hire you. I wanted the other person like, okay, that's okay. Let's have the conversation. And we did. And, and she's gone on to great success. She ended up leaving, going to a different company and crushing it. And didn't leave yeah. because I was there. She left because she was probably suited to do something else that I knew she would do. Yeah. Still, I don't encourage anybody to do yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's not a great icebreaker. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> It's it's just not like since when that is a great start for a relationship, uh, especially with your boss. Yeah, it's like um, you know, uh, great that you feel some type of way, but don't insult other people. Yeah, like oh. you, there's no right to insult other people, and that is an insult, to be honest. Yes, yeah, but I will never like the, ever forget that moment. I'll never forget it. it was yeah, well, I wouldn't either. And and you have, I have to say, you're a better man because because <laughs> uh, like I don't know, like like I feel like. I feel that that's just too insulting with no reason with like, you don't know the other person anyway, and you just decide to discriminate on that person. Right. So that's just, just plain, plain discrimination. Yeah. That's it. But you know, it's <laughs> like, I wouldn't, one do- thing that we really ask for support and help on, and this is where Sumo has yeah. been helping us with this and as have uh, the employees mm-hmm. we brought in is that kind of a little bit, everyone has unconscious bias, whether they want to believe it or not, they just yeah. have it and, uh, learning how to recognize mm-hmm. that and be better and rise above that. Um, that's been, I think that's been the, the most interesting learning, certainly as we've started this this new studio. Um, and but all the stuff that goes along with starting a studio is, <clears throat> as you know, I mean, you're doing it. But like, it's all the stuff that goes along with starting yeah. a studio. It's like, okay, you know, what do you know? What are you going to make? We're going to make a video game. We're going to do this. It's going to be a mobile game. It's going to be a PC console. Whatever. It's going to be a game. Okay, we're going to do this stuff, and this is the kind of business we're in. But it's all the other stuff that people don't realize that goes into making a game or a game studio. All the stuff that people, all those guys just sit around with their feet up and just, you know, they just print money and make all the stuff and they just, you know, they, it's like, oh yeah, we just print money. Um, it's, it's hard work, but a lot of the work that goes into it is just, it's all the people stuff. It's all the people stuff and yeah. connecting with people and then realizing that, um, no one in the world really gives a crap what game you worked on last. They really don't care. I mean, the only people that care about it, they have recruiters and the industry people. It's like, oh, let's talk, let's talk to Mishka. He worked on this game. It's like, they're the only people, yeah, your yeah. average person in the street. You know, your average Bjorn walking down the road in Helsinki doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't care what you've done. They just want to know the game any good. <laughs> we don't have much Bjorns, but that's, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I think that it was really important to have this discussion with you because you have such a deep, you know, a wealth of experience in the industry. Um incredibly respected in the industry as well. A super nice person. Everybody who's been listening to this would be like, Joe sounds like the coolest guy ever. And he is, he even looks like the coolest guy <laughs> uh, for, for anybody watching the YouTube. Uh, but, but, um, you know what I like to say? Like, it's I really, say this, yeah, go ahead. One thing I say to people all the time, um, I am actually not very good at making games. I'm really not. <laughs> I'm actually well, not. Well, 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 I, I wanted to get into that. Like that, that's exactly where I was heading. I wasn't heading into saying you're not good at making games. I was heading into the longer you are in the industry, 
the more important are the touchy feely skills over the technical skills over your you know deep meta understanding and over 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 the understanding of of the nuances of the performance marketing right. uh etc cetera, etc cetera. The, the more important the, the more you kind of um take leadership roles the more important is the actual people skills right. and some people just kind of don't get it they assume the higher you get the smarter you get and the more money you will print right. and lean back in your chair but actually no the more time you will end up spending in dealing with yeah. people issues that's that's what happens it's my favorite part of the job like you know when i yeah. tell people um i remember getting interviewed with this uh well i remember yeah i remember getting interviewed by patrick soderlund you want to have a tough interview interview patrick soderlund when he's interviewing you he's like holy crap <laughs> so, so, so he has a six foot ten walking jawline walks into the room you're like okay um and uh but I tell everyone, so I'm not very good at making games. What I am, though, getting pretty good at is building teams, building good teams that do make good games. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of um, people who look at mentorships, and um, and I've mentored people as well. And it's really funny. Um, we were joking about it. I was, uh, I was in the mentee. I was the mentor, uh, mentoring program at EA, and they would assign me some people. Every single person that I mentored quit and went to another company. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, no. I'm like, maybe maybe that was actually the job maybe people were coming to ask for permission <laughs> i really want to do this can i go do this and i'm like yeah you can totally do this. Yeah. Go, go crush yeah. it and it's not like i encourage fly fly, fly. fly. <laughs> but it is those um uh, it is the people stuff um i've been yeah i have been so lucky to work with so many really, really amazing people, people that I used to bounce on my knee at EA and that have gone off to amazing other things. And to think that I had a very small part, perhaps in the development of that person um, at, at one point. And every now and then you run into someone you used to work with, they said, oh my God, remember when you told me that thing? And I'm like, I have no memory of this place. No, um, no. You know, uh, a colleague of mine that works in the UK, this will sound a bit of a humble brag, and it's not meant to, but oh, it, it, was, it was so amazing. <clears throat> Out of the blue, I haven't talked to her in years, but I used to work with her um, at Microsoft. And she sent me a note and she said, you know what, um, I've been watching what you guys have been doing and I just really wanted to uh, to thank you for something that you probably don't even remember. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, remember when we went to Starbucks and I had that presentation that I had to work on and, and I was really nervous and I didn't know how I was gonna get through the presentation and you sat and you rehearsed it with me and we walked through it and you told me, um, look at it this way and, and, and present it this way. And she said, and I did, and I crushed it. And she goes, I never, ever forgot that. And she goes, and it was such a profound moment on my life. And I'm like, I don't even remember doing that. And she goes, yeah, I did it in Starbucks. And I'm like, really? And it's the, and, and the only reason I say that is like, when you have, when you can give people the gift of your time, if nothing more than to listen, yeah. and, and if they ask you for feedback, don't just give them feedback. Hey, look at me, I got feedback for you. It's like, yeah, feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you can do with your feedback. Um, but if someone asks you for something and if you could just take that little bit of time to, um, to do that, um, sometimes you could affect them um, in a small way today, but that'll, that'll multiply and compound later on and they'll look back. Um, and they'll yeah. think, yeah, I remember that conversation. I've had conversations with people at EA that, that were amazing, that have really changed the trajectory of what I've been able to do. It's, it's, I mean, read books, listen to books, listen yeah. to podcasts with people like yourself, self-reflect, have people around you who give you 
proper yeah. feedback. That's really important. That's the only way yeah. you can grow as a as I a rely lead. on and it from my, my sad, in the company. I rely on it. Yeah. Sadly, like becoming a better understander of game design or product management or technical things doesn't make you a better mm -hmm. leader. It just it makes you a better specialist, but it doesn't make you a better leader. No. And despite mm -hmm. all of this, a lot of people like I know in my first you know leadership positions couldn't care less about books. You know, maybe one mm -hmm. book. Maybe if it had Navy SEALs, I could read it. <laughs> uh, but, but that's that's about it, you know. Uh, but but uh, but it's it's like it's it's incredibly valuable to have these conversations, to listen to these type of conversations, and to um, yeah, just to read a wide variety of of books. That's what I've noticed, and, and then just take it's, action. Based it's that things. network you build. You know, um, there are people that I call friends that I didn't really know them very well. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, when you reached out and said, I'll have to do this, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I get to talk to you. <laughs> I was really excited to talk to you because I, I've been reading, uh, reading and listening to Deconstruct for Fun in the past. And I remember when I talked to you a long time ago, no. um, and I can't remember where it was in California or Helsinki. I think it was California. Uh, but yeah, um, or GDC. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> so watching your journey and, and then going and, and, yeah. and I'm telling, you know, telling the partners, hey, I'm going to talk to Mishka today. And I said, who's he? He's like, oh, no, it's this guy. And then I explained who you were. I'm like, yeah. oh, that guy. I know that guy. I said, yeah, I get to talk to him. Yeah. How cool is that? He's, he actually called me. And, um, yeah. and so it, it, is, it, is my, it is my uh it is my pleasure and honor to be uh, talking to you. No, no, it's it's the other way around. I just I just use everybody's expensive time for free for free mentoring and coaching. <laughs> this is really the uh, the this is really this podcast is incredibly self serving. People just don't understand it. It's only the things that I'm interested in. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about it. That's great. That's great. I do. Like there's like, there's there's yeah. tons of people that are that are in this yeah. world that are starving for the content that you're serving on. Yeah. And, um. It's for me. I like if they if they take the crumbs or the same thing. If they want this portion of content, go for it. But this content is is mainly for me. I'm incredibly interested in employer branding. I I I think you're doing just a, a triple A job on on that. And I wanted to talk to you about it. And I also, I wanted to reconnect. Yeah. And, you know, hear what's what's going on. So on that note, I'm gonna let you go, and I'm gonna let myself go because it's pretty yes. late. And Always like I, I record out of my home gym, and people are like, "Is that some kind of a?" Flight? I was going to say that's a sauna. Like, oh. I was going to look at like a sauna background there. <laughs> that's another one. It's actually you would see like if I if I move my camera a little bit, you start oh, seeing nice. dumbbells. The thing is, thing is, this is not a flex. You guys are ten hours behind me, right. or you know, and past. Right. So I have to record these very late in the evening, and I'm not going to go to the office at like 9.30 p.m. To, to record a podcast. No, so hence, these podcasts are out of my gym. So, so that, so that, because I, because one person I thought, actually mentioned it in the podcast, they thought it was a flex that I, that I have dumbbells <laughs> in the background. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, I just don't have an, a separate podcast studio next to my home. So that's, uh, that's actually the fact. Anyway, Joe, it was, an immense pleasure. Yeah, and I know that everybody listening to this enjoyed it. I'm going to put your LinkedIn um, and Timber Games in the description below. But before I let you go, who are you guys looking for? What kind of a talent do you, are you guys looking oh, to hire? In, in the, uh, um, we are Summit? always, always looking for good engineering talent, um, especially uh, Unreal. Uh, we're looking for Unreal engineers. Uh -huh. um, and we're looking for designers. 
Um, I'm looking for some senior design folks um, and some junior design folks, but I'm looking primarily for uh, for designers and uh, and Unreal engineers. We are pretty good with everything else just now. And location Vancouver or remote? Yep, uh, location Vancouver or remote. Um, ideally, we're trying to keep everyone that's remote in Canada for now until we can actually get our kind of like our, our infrastructure set up that we can actually do it mm -hmm. uh, in other places. But yeah, uh, pretty much anywhere in Canada is open um, if you'd like to work with us. Sasquatch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I couldn't even write that. <laughs> that one is open too. So, so if you're in Sasquatch, Edmonton, Sasquatch, Winnipeg, really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's in Canada, but it does sound like a it Canadian does. It's, uh, it's, it's town. Also, uh, it's a big foot of all the snowman and so, so there you go. Yes. So, so I only know the cities in Canada that have an NHL team. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So that's why I know about Winnipeg and Edmonton and Calgary yeah. and Toronto and Montreal and Quebec and Vancouver. Nice. So and if you don't have an NHL team in Ottawa, if you don't have an NHL team, I've never heard of you. And well, I'm frankly not. You can be interested. forgiven because you are not a Canadian, <laughs> but we can make you an honorary Canadian. We will send you a Timber hoodie. I do like hockey. I do like hockey. Well, that's so. my one connection <laughs> so. with the Finns. When I got there, I was able to drop some uh, Tamo Solani and uh, and uh, and Sammy exactly. and uh, Mika Hawkins and all these other teams. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Except Pavel Bure was one of the best Canucks. Uh, true, when he was a Russian. So, yes. So, there's that. I remember him scoring a lot. Anyway, uh, Joe, what a pleasure. A pleasure. Yeah. Everybody else, thank you for listening and. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I know you did enjoy the podcast. Anyways, we're, we're out. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.